Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Schmooze. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Clara Cantor and Alistair White. British mezzo-soprano Clara Cantor studied at Clare College, Cambridge, and London's Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Alistair White is a Scottish composer and writer. His work is characterized by a lyrical complexity which draws influence from technology, science, politics, and materialism. Clara and Alistair are both highly accomplished artists with resumes far too long to do justice to in this introduction. They most recently collaborated on The Drowning Shore. I'm going to welcome them both from London, but as listeners, I want you to um, know that there may be a slight delay um, as we're all dealing with uh, the challenges of internet uh, connectivity these days. So welcome, Clara and Alistair, and thanks for joining me from London. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Um, first, I will give you a wow and congratulations on a really, truly brilliant work. Um, and so I'm delighted that you're able to join me today to talk a little bit about it. Um, I'm wondering, and, and I'm going to maybe ask uh, this question to both of you, but maybe Clara, you can start out with the answer and then Alistair will go to you to allow for this um, little glitchy uh, connection thing. So hoping that you can both sort of give a brief description by way of background about The Drowning Shore, maybe um, how the collaboration came about, and speak a little bit about how it threads together parts of Sholomash's God of Vengeance with the Scottish-English text. Right. Well, uh, just to say thank you so much for having us. Um, Al and I are really, really glad to be talking to you, Lisa, and really um, honored to be featured on The Schmooze. Um, the Drowning Shore came about because, well, Alistair and I first worked together last summer, summer 2019, on an opera that Al had written called Rogue, um, a fashion opera. Um, and we met doing that and we got on really well. And uh, we recorded that in January this year. Um, and I'd been hoping that we'd get a chance to work together again. And then obviously the pandemic happened, lockdown happened, and everything stopped. Um, and I was kind of, I think maybe it's a bit different for Al because he's a composer, so he's kind of used to working at home anyway. But I had all my all my work cancelled and um, was twiddling my thumbs at home and was kind of looking for opportunities, things to do, uh, musical things to do that could work in this context. Um, and I saw an advert by a company called Compass Presents that they were putting together oracles in sepia. Um, a short film of archive material and we're looking for artists to create response to that um, as a you know knowing that so many people were struggling at the moment looking for a way to give um, people some work some creative outlets in in this time um, and so I approached Al and asked if he would like to put together an application and he did thankfully um, and we applied and we were accepted to do it so the drowning shore was our was our work created in response to that um, and kind of talking with Al about the kind of things that we might want to do, the kind of ideas that appeal to us. Um, we'd spoken before about trying to make something which combined Scottish and Yiddish cultures and languages and we weren't really sure what that would be but we just liked the idea um, and then when we had our interview with the people at Compass Presents we kind of mentioned that I remember we ran through we ran through a couple of ideas of things we could do um, and that was one thing that came up and they really liked that and sort of said great we'd love for you to do that um, 
so we had that idea you know in the back of our minds and then the challenge was to wait for their film for them to produce their short film and uh to create a response which kind of incorporated that because obviously we weren't really sure what this film was going to be and if a Scots Yiddish work would sort of make sense in response to that. Um, so I was a little bit nervous waiting to see what would what they would come up with. But um, in the end, it was a, a three minute film, lots of archive material, old newsreels, that sort of thing, and was kind of broad enough that allowed us to, to kind of use it as a starting point. Um, and so we talked a bit and then uh, I kind of left it to Al to produce this amazing work um, and then had to get on with with recording it and making it. So it might be a good time for Al to say kind of where what what he what his inspiration was and how he created it. Hello. Um, yeah, wonderful. Uh, thank you, Clara. And yeah, I, I mean, I, the, the one thing I would add to that um, description of the process was how, yeah, the, 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 the wonderful, inspiring meetings that you and I had together and, and, and also with, um, with David Mazower from the Yiddish Book Centre and working with the Book Centre. And yeah, the, the, the discussions that we had as part of that process and how, yeah, the, the rich ideas from that in discussing, well, not God of Vengeance, but also the synergies between um, the Scots and Yiddish literary traditions and finding through that the things that are, you know, the, the, the things that are shared, but also the things that make them both so unique was really a, a very fascinating a, a journey for me and was such a, yeah, just a really, really, wonderful thing to be part of. So yeah, you know, I can't, I can't thank you, know, you and your father and uh, the Yiddish Book Centre enough um, for, for all the things that I've learned as part of this project. Um, yeah, we wanted to, I mean, it's, it's funny, this is a very, this, 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 this project touches on things that are very close personally to, um, to all of us at the moment, I think, in that we make um, these, trends and trajectories that reach right into the you know into the distant past to things that are happening at the moment which seem very um very new and unstrange sorry very new and strange um, and the way that i suppose what you know one of the inspirations for this was the sense of the uncanny you know the the unheimlich that is generated by performance and life in general becoming so digital uh, you know we're all we're sitting in a zoom call at the moment I, I, I'm, and I'm I'm looking on my television screen and I can see Clara in the in the television you know like like Mike TV from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory who watches so much television he gets trapped in a set and this is this has happened to all of us we've become we have become like like the you know like the flower in the glass pane that's in the the images in the cantata, we've been caught within these screens ourselves, and we've become essentially part of. Well, this has happened for a long time now. Obviously, we've become part of this living, breathing text that is the internet, as as in as images, as our our, our speech, our, our our identities, our subjectivity are, are caught within it. And yeah, I suppose providing some kind of a 
yeah, not an, an, unearth, an unearthing of where that comes from. So not just, not just, not just seeing it in terms of the technological event, but looking and saying that this hasn't come from nowhere. This is this reaches into the past, and so in our own personal histories, but also in our um, kind of, I suppose there's an element of ancestral history in it also, and in culture and and in kind of cultural archaeology. Of, of, of looking back and finding ways to contextualize and speak about that. Which then prompts me to ask, um, Clara, you are the, well, we will acknowledge here that you are the great, great granddaughter of Yiddish writer Sholem Ash. Um, and I wonder what the process was like for you in terms of maybe bringing you closer to his writing and is this the first time that you've incorporated his work into your work? Um, yes, it is. And um, it's been, I've, I've always been interested in kind of hoping to work more in terms of my Jewish heritage and in the, the songs that I sing, the recitals that I would like to program and, and hoping to do as much of that as possible. But I suppose the reality of being a jobbing singer is that usually you're, you know, you do what your book to do and, and um, that's often not kind of um, Jewish themed <laughs> work. So any chance I get to sort out my own thing, I, I, it was great to, if I can incorporate that. Um, and I've I kind of know a lot basically what I know about Sholem is what I know through my dad um, David and so I've seen God of Vengeance I've seen Indecent Paula Vogel's play um, I've been to Kutna where Sholem was from um, but in a way I suppose this was as much for me about connecting with my dad as it was about Sholem because he for me is the person that really knows about well he is he knows a lot about this um, and we could set up these meetings with him and discuss it with him so I suppose in a way it was much about kind of having that family connection with my dad when we're stuck on different continents um, as it was through incorporating Sholem's work. And, and I do want to ask you about the weaving the Scottish in but I'm just going to follow up for a moment because you've mentioned Indecent and you mentioned seeing um, God of Vengeance and Israel, and, and all of those were very interesting ways of both um, reimagining, reincorporating, and in, in, in decent, you know, it tells a historical story um, in a way built around the play. So I think that you and Al, if I may, um, have brought this further. I mean, you, you've taken this uh, this work in a, you know, a small excerpted aspect of it into a new direction. Um, and curious to hear your thoughts about why you selected that and also um, again how you married it with uh, the Scottish English. Um, well I will have uh, will have a lot to say about that but for, um, for me I suppose we one of the uh, kind of themes of the drowning shore was is borders is liminalities is um contrast between things and being and kind of being stuck in one place and not being able to get to another um, and God of Vengeance for us was really interesting because obviously it's all written in Yiddish but the focus on the Torah scroll um, the Torah scroll itself would be written in Hebrew and so in it within the play there's this contrast between the kind of quotidian language of everyday struggle and this this holy Hebrew language 
Um, and as we were already thinking about differences and similarities between Scots and Yiddish, it was really interesting for us to have this other linguistic aspect kind of within the play, as well as the other themes that spoke to us. But I think that was one of the reasons why um, Al wanted to focus on the, uh, the excerpts which reference the scroll directly. Um, if, if I've understood that correctly, Al. Oh, yeah, wonderful. You're expressing it in a way, yeah, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, I mean, God of Vengeance, what is such an incredible, incredible work of art. And it's, it's multi, for me, like it's multidimensionality in that it's, you could, it, it, there are so many readings within it. It's so, so rich and I think that that richness itself is also doing a functional service for its for its theme of contrasting the the richness on the music of, of, of everyday life against the against the text against the the, the text and the law and I would say I hesitate to say that contrasting, you know, the, the richness of lived life against the dryness of the dead text, because it's not like that. The scroll, at least in my reading, the scroll in God of Vengeance is very much not alive, but its holiness and its its agency almost is it's it's not a strict dichotomy or binary between those two between those two things. So, do if you want to talk about if you if you want to talk about language. It's a very interesting. No, well, it, it's a very, yeah, it's a very, a very rich, a rich, rich, rich thing to engage with. I think it's very important when you're talking about, well, to, to languages like Scots and Yiddish, which are, you know, exist in dichotomies with um, more powerful languages, with, and and with all the power, power dynamics that comes from that, that you don't. Simplify that you don't simplify it down to a this to try and create to try to turn these dichotomies and binaries into into axes or even to constellations. You know to think of think of it as that. So it's not just so that you yeah there are there are clouds of meaning that are like in the original God of Vengeance closer to the richness and vitality of you say anything at all. Um, so it was a yeah a really a really wonderful thing to engage with. I suppose also we maybe didn't want to we didn't want to just do a straight adaptation because also with in that sense you always I, I mean and this is from an opera perspective obviously but when you see you know opera productions that do a production as it had been done in the day that seems always to be the most unfaithful because obviously it wasn't not, nothing when it's created is ever a period piece obviously and so it's when 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 you engage with something you know historical and with all of its with all of the interpretation and, and history that exists between you and that I think what a really interesting challenge is 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 is, is making is creating that wonderful strangeness that happens with anything that's new and so that was also uh yeah, I can, I can, I concern in in that in the in this theme of adaptation. So we hope it's not quite an adaptation, nor quite a, not, but also not just a series of quotes. It's not an assemblage that's juxtaposed with what we're doing, but something maybe between the two 
something that engage, uh, engages perhaps even dances is, is a nice image like this dance this idea of a dance with something is is, is what we were what we were what we were trying to do um yeah I, I do I, um, a nod to that. I think that you both did such a beautiful job of building on both of the texts, um, marrying them together with the music and and the direction, which maybe I'd love to play a little bit of music um, here so we can hear the um, and then talk uh, or ask you uh, to talk a little bit about the scoring of this. Maybe, um, Clara, could you speak a little bit about um, the scoring, the music, the singing, which is just breathtakingly beautiful and rather haunting? Oh, thank you very much. Um, well, so I, I was um, at the mercy of Al <laughs> waiting to receive his score and his text. Um, and Al, one thing I love about Al's work is that he he writes really, really beautiful, really beautiful poetry. Um, and all these fascinating Scots words and sometimes he makes up words if there isn't one that exists already which I love so it's always great to kind of get your get your tongue and your lips around around these Scots consonants and vowels and we were saying much like Yiddish you know we share the sounds um, so I, I was waiting to receive this um, and then we had quite a quick turnaround in terms of recording um, recording it and, and it being ready to go for filming and then putting it up um, ready for our premiere night um, so one of the challenges of lockdown is recording anything at home um, I've got a little zoom recorder so I recorded in my kitchen 
Um, I had to turn the fridge off when it made too much noise. I had to wait for the man outside to stop blowing leaves because all the autumn leaves have fallen, um, things like that. So not without its challenges recording at home. Um, but one of the advantages is that um, some, you know, with music as, as difficult as ours, because it is difficult, is that I could give myself a helping hand and, you know, occasionally play notes in my ear if I wasn't quite sure where I was going, because Al's music often has these big leaps um, that, are quite difficult to pitch um, and sometimes sort of very subtle um, but but definite rhythmic contrast which I, I try to incorporate um, and it's the kind of thing really that would have been great to have had you know two months to work on but uh, we had this deadline so I was very glad that I could help myself out with the odd note and and also record in segments rather than recording the whole thing at once and uh, testament to Al's amazing editing skills that he put this all together. So, so no secrets. I will hold my hand up and say, you know, it was tricky and I was very glad that I had these tools at my disposal to help me to be able to do it. Um, but it's just so wonderful, especially after kind of months of, of being stuck at home to, to really have new music to engage with again, to, to figure out, to remember, you know, remember, oh, this is, this is how I analyze rhythms and this is how I pitch notes. And it sounds silly, but they're these, you kind of take these things for granted when you're doing them every day. And when you haven't done them for months and months, you start to forget. <laughs> um, so I was really glad to, to be getting back into that and really grateful to Al for writing me such a fabulous piece. And um, Al, I'd love to know your thoughts on uh, working on the, the scoring and the music um, in terms of, again, did you draw from both Yiddish and Scottish musical roots to evolve this, to reimagine it? Um, speak a little bit about that, if you would. Thanks so much. And ju just quickly to say, Clara's being uh, very kind and modest. In, um, I, just to clarify, my music is stupidly difficult to write um, it's difficult to um, difficult to play sorry very easy to write <laughs> freudian slip there uh, but very almost you know almost impossible to sing and clara clara makes it sound incredibly not not, not just easy but in, in, in you know it, it's very 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 beautiful and i think you know all a composer does is write um, dots on the page and it's really i think that performance and its realization in the in the in in, in the images that's the really the you know incredible thing about this work, but the composition was a, a again a fascinating thing uh, for me, a fascinating process for me to to um, to, to learn about because I was I was trying to develop certain techniques that I've been doing this year, which is based upon a you know a wider compositional practice of I suppose. Yeah, it's basically attempting to, it's, it's a type of, this is this might sound really silly, but it's a type of transcendental realism where you, instead of, you, you, you try to build a world up within, within a piece. It's, I suppose, something like what you might call a hyper object, something that you're not meant to take the full, get the full measure of within one sitting, but that you can kind of interact with and move through almost, I suppose, similar to the way that uh, a game functions, you know, and that, you can, that it's, it's, it's a world in which encounters are possible. Um, and with this, we wanted to, yeah, we, we, wanted to, we wanted to look at specifically engaging with traditions, which is something that I had thought before was impossible with this kind of technique. Um, and about from a number of actually um, I'll honestly say accidents and rather 
which started with the original compositional process was taken from analyzing pitches. Sorry, from an, from analyzing um, my own voice. If, um, yeah, I wanted to root it in speech to be, to be like that theme in God of Vengeance, like the theme in a lot of Scott's poetry, like about the act of speech, rather than rather, or at least have that as a, 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 the very basis of the score structure. And out of that pitch pitch analysis came. Uh, came some material that I was working with that was the same as this um as this as this as this traditional Jewish scale, which is the one that's used in part at the beginning. Um, and that was very interesting to me because again, in the, like the themes that the work engages with of historical overlays and kind of you know these this, this kind of temporal flux between the past and the future. It was something that I find very interesting, this what are you actually hearing, especially in, at the, in the first, in the opening pages of the score? Are you hearing the pictures derived from my perform, you know, my performance um, of of the poem, which is, you know, which is nothing to do with, no, which has nothing to do with tradition, or is it, or is it derived from the scale that is the same as it? Well, almost, almost the same, and how the and the way that these interact with each other formally is to me very, very interesting because, of course. The complexity that happens at, uh, well, how would you say it? It's, it's, it would be phenomenological complexity. It happens at the point of the listener, is that there are the, there are these overlays and how you, how depending upon your own sense of, depending on the way that you listen, according to your, according to to the way that you understand these traditions, you'll probably maybe hear something, um, maybe hear something different. And I think that's I think that's really interesting. And as as this goes on. Um, we, we, and we were also, they get developed by using a kind of some another another thing I'm very interested in, which is negativity. So, or, or pitch negativity. So that when you uh, when you create a musical object, all of the silent notes or the silent things that, that aren't happening then go to form a kind of auxiliary, what you would call uh, I think a, a consequent in music. And so that you get like, you know, like like these two traditions that are separate, but also almost the same, you get musical objects and development that is separate or juxtaposed, but also absolutely integral uh, to one another. Um, so that's maybe a little bit technical, but um, basically we wanted to keep, we wanted to look at, I think you know, Clara used the word um, liminality earlier, which I think that's, yeah, I wasn't aware of this before, um, composing, but uh, another word that um, one of our new friends mentioned was the idea of a literal space. This, you know, like a shoreline. Um, all of this, it, it turns out, you know, retrospectively, is in, is in these are in these compositional ideas, like this idea of, um, yeah, separateness and interplay, but also an overlay between them. Um, does does that answer your question? Or uh... it, it does, and it confirms something that I took away way from the um production um so uh it's all really it's, it's so it, it is so interesting and i um will we'll get to how listeners can find their way to view this um but i would encourage them to do so because you both have worked so brilliantly um in terms of being able to draw from both of these languages as you say in so many ways uh and Again, that thread of tradition comes through, and and how we 
how we encounter tradition in different times. Um, so you've been great at articulating what, what the thinking was behind this. And I think it also makes it apparent that you're very successful in realizing what you set out to do with this. So before we go quickly, two other quick questions for you. Um, the art direction is phenomenal the costuming whoever gave the direct the acting direction as well let's give a nod to them um was there anybody behind the lens as well um so that was the wonderful hannah lovell uh who directed it filmed it edited all the film um she was absolutely integral to it and helped us to kind of realize a lot of new aspects of it things that we maybe hadn't thought about before um i was very very grateful to have her there on the day and got everything done in about five hours i think so yeah we wow. couldn't have done it without hannah and then um Gemma as well was uh responsible for the fashion but um al can probably talk a bit more about that um yeah the fashion curation was by a superstar and i think that's these these the, you know the visuals to in something like this are are just you know so important and and i i just see every time i i watch the film now i'm just blown away by what hannah did and what clara did you know this it's it's a very very i think you know difficult thing to just point a camera at somebody and for almost nothing to happen and that's one of my favorite things about it because in 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 performance we're used to it we've so, so what, what i should say post covid we lost the this this time that we had at live performance where we were safe from screens and the constant feedback loop of of digi of this of digital pleasure you know and we, I suppose what, what Hannah was trying to do was to, well, I, I don't want to speak for her, but she, what, what I think she does incredibly is recreate this sense of that stillness of life performance, but within a screen. So you're very much aware when you're watching the film of the minute you're watching it on as the film itself. And that's a, I think that's, that's, that's such a wonderful thing. Um, also the, the uh, curation by, by Gemma and from that and bringing out the, you know, the drama of, uh, of, what, of, the, of the story through, through these, um, through these, through, I should say, garments is, is just wonderful. And I think, is this the first time you've done film acting, Clara? Because it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very different thing, obviously, you know, acting on a stage, which I've seen Clara do and she can fill you know, a whole auditorium with, with a look, which is uh, a wonderful thing. It's a very difficult thing to do that, a different thing to, to me. I have no idea how anybody does any of this, so I'm just, yeah, I'm very, very blown away by it all. Um, well, I'm in awe of you both because it is a successfully done in a challenging time, um, and it's been a real joy to hear you speak about it, um, and certainly will send me back to look at it one more time. So I thank you both for joining me um, and for your work. Uh, for, for our listeners, uh, what you can do is look for Compass Presents page, and there you will find a YouTube to view of The Drowning Shore. Again, that's Compass Presents. And also to learn more about Clara Counter's work, C-L-A-R-A-K-A-N-T-E-R.com. Hannah Lovell, 
h-a-n-n-a-h-l-o-v-e-l-l.co.uk slash and uh, Alistair's work is a-l-a-s-t-a-i-r-w-h-i-t-e.org so learn more about their work and um, again thank you both so much for joining me today for your thoughtful, creative, and really beautiful work that uh, gives us all something to ponder and unravel. Um, and I look forward to seeing what comes next from both of you. So stay safe and keep creating. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well. Be healthy and tune in again soon.